It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Jim Britt and Jim Lutz had a vision, and the Change Book series was developed. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life balance specialist, Deb Crow. Join Deb Weekly, where she interviews the top co-authors from all over the globe who share their insights into self-empowerment with life-enhancing realizations that will touch every area of your life. We're live every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Change Book Radio Show. It's Deb Crow here with you live. It's a chilly day here in London, Ontario, Canada, and we've we've finally seen winter break here yesterday, and we've had lots of lovely snowfall, so it's very beautiful out my window today. And I'm very, very excited to interview our first guest. His name is Mike Greenlee, and he's out of Volume 8 in our powerful Change Book series that has gone number one as the fastest growing personal development book series in the world, which is exciting. And Mike is is nearly 500 miles away from me and an hour plane ride in New York City. But let me tell you about him and then we're gonna get into a really interesting conversation. So Mike Greenlee is a former Fortune 500 marketing education VP. He has now transitioned into a highly effective business writer and speech coach. Having been a corporate officer himself, Mike is very comfortable dealing with executives at all levels. He is known for his ability to write and coach excellent speeches for others, and he's able to capture their thoughts and messages with clarity, creativity, all while minimizing their demands on their time. Clients across many industries highly praise Mike for the quality of his work, along with his unwavering commitment to outstanding client service. Immediately after leaving corporate life, Mike became the world's first interactive electronic journalist. This is, this is just so intriguing to me. And he covered computer shows, including the launch of Macintosh. He was also the first journalist to report on the Democrat and Republican conventions and the Hollywood Oscars, all by computer. His award-winning journalism has been covered by Time, The Wall Street Journal, CNN, NBC, and international media. When he's not writing speeches, Mike enjoys writing song lyrics. Four of his songs have been charted on the billboard. He is the author of Our Great Virginia, which became the state's official traditional anthem on July 1st, 2015. Mike is not only a co-author, but he's someone that I truly call a friend. So Mike, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Thank you. I just I, I just feel after that grandiose introduction I'm I'm reading thinking this is my friend. <laughs> well, we're and connected, like, obviously. I, we are connected, and I I want to let you know that I I love your website, and we've had many chats about it, but it's very clear and concise what you do. You're a writer, you're a lyricist, you're a speech coach. 
So my first question to you is, tell the listeners where your passion came from and, and what gave you the idea or the mindset to transition from corporate to an entrepreneur? Hmm. Well, I'm told that I was writing, which surprises me, as early as the age of four because I hadn't gone to school yet. Um, I heard an echo. I don't know if that's... At any rate, um, Deborah, are you hearing an echo or is it just me? No, we're good. Okay, great. So I uh, I was a, very much a geek growing up. I was not athletic. I uh, skipped a grade, so I was younger than everybody else and pretty much um, an introvert. That was partly, I think, being at a different age and partly – to be honest, growing up years ago in the Deep South as born as a Jewish boy in what was mostly a Southern Baptist town. So I felt very different from everybody and sort of lacking in confidence. And then in high school, I was just determined that I was going to change things and become popular. So it's something that I worked at. And in fact, at my senior superlative, as they call them, I was voted most popular. But the thing is that it was not really me being popular. It was my decision to be whoever it was that I sensed the person wanted me to be. Then in college, I was on scholarship and at Duke University, an Andrew B. Duke scholarship. To keep it, I had to have dean's list grades, and um, I started to get average grades. And they called me in at the end of the freshman year and said I was in danger of losing my scholarship and having to go home unless I improve things. And they gave me a couple tests. One was a um, study habits test. And they said my study habits were nothing to brag about, but that I was smart enough. I should be getting Dean's List grades anyway. And they gave me a personality test. And that showed a very high anxiety level because of my own lack of confidence in myself. And they recommended psychotherapy at the start of my sophomore year. And as soon as I got into psychotherapy, I started getting straight A's except for phys ed, but I mean, still, I, I graduated Phi Beta Kappa and was gained a whole new sense of myself, and they told me when I was leaving to um, to continue that journey, so indeed, in New York City, I continued and long ago completed psychotherapy and psychoanalysis, but all of that gave me a sense of my own worth as a human being, and what I've, I've worked on several psychiatric wards, and what I've noticed is that in working with psychiatric patients, they're really just like the rest of us. They have less control, but they're like the rest of us. And I've just done, I mean, that's an example of things that I've done for myself to help develop my own authenticity, but also to be able to relate to other people. So I climbed the corporate ladder. I became the youngest VP in the history of Avon Products, which is the world's largest direct selling and beauty company. And I read two books that changed my life, to answer your question. Uh, one book is by Gail Sheehy, a journalist, and it's uh, called Passages. And it's about the passages that people go through in their lives. It used to be that people thought, gee, kids go through the terrible twos and whatever the threes are, but that we stop growing. And in fact, scientists figured out, no, we still have phases in life. So she wrote about that. And Alvin Toffler, one of the greatest futurists in the history of the planet, wrote a book called The Third Wave. And that was really about taking a big look at human evolution. The agrarian wave lasted for thousands and thousands of years. The industrial revolution lasted for hundreds. And now the information age, which we're still actually at the start of. And reading that book and realizing how much the world was changing 
And by that time, I had developed a lot of marketing and communication skills from my corporate life. Um, passages gave me the realization that I was at a point in my life where I would either be brave enough to leave corporate life and go out on my own, or if I chose the other path at that particular juncture in my life, I'd probably be in corporate life forever. So that was the bravest thing I ever did, and I left corporate life and became a freelance entrepreneur. And in the process, um, one of the I can barely change a light bulb, as I often say, because it's true, but I've discovered that words are my friends and writing is my gift, and it helps a lot as a speechwriter because I write a lot of speeches for a lot of executives, and I'm very happy to help them with their careers now that I've already completed my rise in the ladder. It helps to, um, it helps to have been on the client side of the desk. So now I write speeches for executives, help them deliver their messages, and then when they want it, coach them, because many people are afraid of being on stage, as I used to be, and I help them deliver their messages in a more effective way. Well, and I, you've made a couple of really good points that I, I just want to touch on. You know, mental health is, is, people say it's on the rise. I don't think it's on the rise. I think more people are advocate, advocating for individuals with mental health. And mm -hmm. I think corporate America is understanding the education that needs to go along with it. And if you look at several of the different mental health diagnoses, uh, I can only imagine the IQ levels of some of these people. And I look at that, you know, if I compare it, Mike, to, you know, people with disabilities, especially Asperger's syndrome, and you look at some of the greats that are true entrepreneurs like Bill Gates from Microsoft, and it's, to me, as you're talking, it's like you put your mind to something and you were just going to do it and you've obviously done it well. So my question is, now that you're a speech coach, you just bring so much authenticity because you've been the person that are now your clients. And can you just touch upon that and, and let me know what other talents you address or that you're seeing repetitively amongst your clients that you offer speech coaching for? Well, you know, it's interesting because speech coaching is a very intimate – actually, my speech writing is too uh, – a very intimate exchange between me and the client. So for speech writing, I usually it's just me and the client speaking, and I tell them I'm listening in stereo. One ear is for them, what is their message, but the other is listening on behalf of the audience. And so it's not just writing skill, but the ability to listen actively and know what questions to ask to pull out of the client the messages that he or she wants to deliver. Speech coaching is intimate as well because I'm giving a person honest feedback. And before I had all that psychotherapy, I was too afraid to be authentic. And now, transformed, I was almost going to I was going to quit corporate life and become a full time psychotherapist when Avon gave me that honor. And I'd worked too hard to to be promoted as a vice president. I just I couldn't back away from it, so I, I gave up the idea of being a therapist. But that training that I had, because I was receiving professional training, is helpful in doing what I do. So when I am speaking privately to an executive, it's been interesting to me to discover how many executives will quietly admit to me that they're terrified of being on stage. And the story about sort of the main lesson and what I got was from my own experience. By that time, I was... I was an officer and I, at Avon, and I was in charge of the August conference. The Christmas season is the biggest for, for a lot of companies, and certainly for Avon as a gift company, the biggest season of the year. And they launch 
the product line for that Christmas season in August. That's why it's all called the August Conference to uh, thousands of, of uh, managers around the country. And I was now in charge of the business meetings, and there was a, a guy down the hall, very charismatic but also a bully, and he would just tower over people, first physically because he was like six foot eight, but second psychologically. He would just mow them down to get his way, and that was part of why he was effective, I guess. I'd seen him on stage, and he was very dynamic and effusive and charismatic and a big extrovert, which I am not. And uh, to make the story short, I had been very moved when Avon sent me out to Iowa my first couple of weeks of existence with the company to see what life was like with for a representative, because if I was going to work on supporting them, I had to know what it was like. So the first day I was a representative, and for somebody who was essentially shy like me, to go ringing doorbells was just torture. Finally, one lady bought one nail polish, and I was so grateful. The next day, I went out with the best rep in the territory, and I was amazed at her connection with her customers, how much they looked forward to having her be there. It was inspiring. And when I spoke to her afterward about how did she get to be so good? Now, mind you, this is decades ago. Women's position was different, and, and Iowa is not New York City. She told me that my new company, Avon, had transformed her life, and that her husband now she was making at least as much money as he so he had a new kind of respect for her her she was pleased that her kids now looked up to her in a different way and realized that mommy was capable of a lot more than they had given her credit for and most of all she said which i related to in terms of my own personal journey of discovering my own worth is that she realized that she was a better person and a more capable person than she had known and she credited her district manager which was the exact audience that i had to motivate and that my whole meeting that I was in charge of had to motivate. And I got this aha moment that has helped me forever since, which was it would be foolish for me to try to be Ed Carter. That who I'm just not a big, booming, aggressive kind of person. I'm sincere. I'm caring. I'm in touch with my feelings. I'm earnest. My friends call me the most earnest person on the eastern seaboard, and I'm slightly offended. Why are they limiting my geography? Why just the eastern seaboard? And the point is, I'm, I'm ultra sincere. And and what I've learned was, what I figured out first was that I would fail if I tried to be Ed Carter. And instead, I was going to be the best Mike Greenlee I could be, which is a completely different style. And I also learned from this experience that there's a paradox when you're giving a speech. On the one hand, you've got to be real. An audience can smell it if you're not. And if you're just going to be reading talking points and not feeling anything, you might as well send them a memo. But on the other hand, you've got to remember that it's a performance. You're standing there seated. There's a distance between you. You have to command everybody's attention. So you have to be real, but you also have to be bigger and better in order to connect with everybody. And so what I did was to tell the story of how that rep had inspired me based on her district manager, which was my audience. And I told them how they could change, and they were changing, the lives of their representatives. They weren't just selling our new Christmas line, but they were empowering these people. And as I did, and realizing that I was genuinely touched when that representative told me her story, I allowed my voice to break up and to get back in touch with how special it was, this connection between the manager and the rep, and how proud I was to be in this company that did good for people, not just selling products. And because I was real and in the moment in a way that Ed Carter, I shouldn't say his name, that the big guy could never have uh, done, 
it, it was the best. People came up after it. I heard sniffles around the room, first of all, when I was describing the impact they had on people's lives. And so many people came up to me afterward and told me that was the best speech they'd ever heard. And it taught me the the importance of being whoever the speaker is, being oneself so that you can make a genuine connection. And then just learning the various tricks that I've learned and techniques with mentors and with experience to project yourself so that you are yourself only better in your speech and then in your projection. I'm just, I, I'm copiously taking notes here because I just, I, I think I want to refer to you as a master communicator. And I think one of the things that you and I have talked about is to be a good communicator, it's not just about speaking and, and all of the strategies that I'm sure you teach in your coaching, but it's what you said a minute ago about having that ability to listen well and be a well-honed listener. And as you're listening for your clients, you're listening as Mike Greenlee coach, but you're also listening to be that person in the audience and, and give amazing feedback. So you've just segued me in nicely to my next question from, from what you just answered there. I know a lot of the strategies around giving a speech. People get so wrapped up, Mike, in content and I would like you to talk and answer, or I guess I would like you to frame the difference between quality versus quantity and why people get so stuck on how much versus the delivery and how they should execute that. Can you just briefly talk a little bit about that? Yes, it actually ties into a general communications principle. So, um, as I've said, I, I'm not... I'm not mathematical. I'm not. Don't try to get me to change, uh, to to rewire something. We'll be electrocuted or a flat tire. Um, I'm a conceptual guy, but because of my marketing training, I tend to view the world in pie charts, segments of the market, and so the principles of marketing a, a brand, which I did when I was marketing detergent at Lever Brothers. One detergent is like another. It's the marketing that sets one apart, but it has to be a marketing with a purpose. So in detergent, are you going for the whiteness market or the brightness market or the freshness market? You have to know your goal. And when I'm writing a speech, I always ask the client, what is the one takeaway message? If you, could, if you had to choose, because they do, people are not going to hang on and remember every word that you say as a speaker. What's the key point that you want to deliver? And that becomes like a north star in writing the speech, but it's also a north star in terms of your mindset when you deliver it. So when I know that, there's an, there's an acronym that I've found very useful. It's called WIFM, W-I-F-M. What's in it for me? And the point is, again, it's like marketing. Um, you can't market to a consumer something that doesn't fit their needs. Well, an audience has needs, and you have an object. You, the speaker, have an objective. It's like a key in a keyhole. You can't get across your objective, teach them, train them, motivate them, whatever it is, unless you are taking into account how they're listening to you and what their mindset is coming into the room and what their needs are. And that's part of the connection that you need to make. So um, I find that the number one of the, certainly if it's not number one, it's one of the most frequent mistakes that my clients make and that I observe in others all through business in communications is trying to accomplish too many things at once. And that weakens the whole structure. So again, that's why I ask a client when I'm writing a speech to focus on what do they want to most plant in my head. Then we can drill down and so on. So um, 
television advertising that tries to convey too much or print advertising that tries to convey too much ends up actually being less effective. And the person who's the brand manager, which I used to be, can feel good. Oh, I've got every talking and product point in the ad. Yeah, but nobody's going to want to read it. The same thing is true about a PowerPoint presentation. Too often I I give uh, workshops on how to deliver business uh, presentations, and often they use PowerPoints. And too often executives or their assistants, but they, they end up having like paragraphs that people are supposed to read on screen, and it's it's very ineffective. the The source of knowledge needs to be the person who's delivering the speech, and the PowerPoint visual should be a reinforcement and to help it be memorable, but not a replacement. So one of the slides actually that I use when I give these workshops is headed "Read Along with Me," which is the last thing that you want your audience to do. You want them to be getting the knowledge from you, and there are techniques for how you plant yourself as an authority so that they understand that they can trust you and that you know what you're talking about. But if you put too many distractions on the PowerPoint, then they're not going to be paying attention to you. Their minds are going to be conflicted. I'm reading this, but I'm also trying to listen. So the idea that the old adage that less is more turns out to be very true when it comes to communications. The one thing I will say is that um, I am fortunate to have won a, lo- a number of sort of creativity prizes, first at Lever Brothers and then at Avon, because I am a very creative guy, it turns out, despite my many flaws. But I don't respect creativity that has no strategy behind it. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's not enough to have a technique for a commercial or for a speech that's just cool. It's got to be cool in a way that supports the overall strategy. Everything starts with what that purpose is. What is the purpose of you, your brand? What is the purpose of your message? What is the purpose of your visuals? It all needs to align together. That's the way you get the greatest possible and most memorable impact. So, you know, I love quotes. And I looked for a quote yesterday for you because you are a master communicator. And I found the perfect quote for you, and it's from Sophocles, and it says, much wisdom often goes with fewest words. So I think that's a nice quote, given what you just taught us there about <laughs> quantity versus quantity. And, and I think I think it's easy for people to make a PowerPoint and allow themselves to hide behind that, and that's, I'm sure, part of your strategy as a, a speech coach is to bring out the best of them and put them in the forefront, but it's a process. So I thought we could have some fun with words, and I hope Alan Witch is listening because you know, and I've joked with you, Alan and I are always teaching each other big words. So I thought you and I could play a little word game and have some fun. So my first question to you is I would like to know, because you are a writer, what is your favorite word? Wow. Um. I would have to say right now, what comes to my mind is authenticity, the idea of being real, one's true self. It's what I used to be afraid to be, and now I cherish that I've learned how to be. And it's what I encourage a speaker to be, their best self, only better. Well, I I would see that as a great word for you. So I'm going to preface this to say you're not allowed to think. It's the first one that comes. (laughs) What is the one word that your clients would describe you as? Dependable. I I never, um, 
I never miss a deadline. I never, I'm always careful about my commitments because I can't stand to break one. I like to be known as the guy who under-promises and over-delivers. And I know that if, in terms of first word that comes to mind, they can count on me. And I, I, I'm very happy that I've earned that reputation. Well, and I, I think you further elaborate that, elaborate that on your website very beautifully, Mike, because I know you have a 100% guarantee and, and you're going to work and give 150% to your clients. And in, in the few months that you and I have got to know each other, uh, one of the things that I love and we're very similar that way is even if you can't talk, it takes seconds to send an email or a text message to say, I can't chat right now, but I'll get back to you at the end of the day. And again, that's part of being a master communicator, which you do so eloquently. It is so, so important to manage expectations. I, I'm, I'm glad you noticed that. And I know that you do it too. So I'd like the Mike Greenlee of today to talk to the younger Mike who hmm. wasn't the, the, gentleman he is today and have the confidence and what what advice would you give to that younger mike greenley today gosh is the advice uh that poor soul was alone and lost and fumbling and i think the first thing i would want to tell him because uh, i know how brokenhearted he was and how look i know that that mike greenley was had suicidal thoughts and as a freshman and just because he felt so isolated. So most of all, I'd want to let him know that it gets better and you can make it be better. And it's a question of knowing that you can't make, for example, I didn't become, to whatever extent I'm a, I'm an effective speaker now, having started out with crippling and paralyzing stage fright. That doesn't happen by just giving your first successful speech, although that's a milestone. It's about um, staying steady, and and focused and belie- believing that at li- the very least you can always know that you'll do your best. There, you know, I write a, a songs in a number of different genres. When I'm not writing speeches, I'm writing lyrics. And my next choral song um, is going to be the title that my mother's valedictory speech was. She she gave a spe- she was valedictorian of her high school. My dad was valedictorian of college. She gave a speech called "Climb Though the Rocks Be Rugged," and it's not it wouldn't be a pop song, although I've written those, but as a choral song, that's what I'm going to do. And I guess it comes to my mind now because that would be my advice. Yes, it's hard, but keep climbing because there's sunshine at the top and it's going to feel so good when you get there. And that is amazing advice. Now, we've got a couple of minutes left and I, I have to read uh, a couple of paragraphs from your chapter because I I think it just ties in beautifully with all of the strategies and everything you talked about, Mike. So I'm just going to read from Mike's chapter out of uh, book eight. And this is uh, the last few paragraphs of his chapter. And I just think the listeners are really going to like it. And the title of Mike's chapter is From Stage Fright to the Power of Authenticity. So there's that word again. So here we go. It can require a change of one's mindset to be one's own authentic self, while paradoxically also being better and bigger on stage. But the core truth in everything I use in coaching my clients is the one thing that changed me and my life. Drawing on and making the most of the inherent power of who I am. 
never trying to be an intimidation, an intent, I can't even pronounce this, imitation of someone else, no matter how effective that other person might appear to be. So when you're faced with the challenge of giving a speech, no matter how tense or fretful you feel, take stock of who you are, for real. Connect to the truth at the heart of your personal brand. Be in touch with your genius essence as you speak. As I've mentioned, there are a number of tips that can help one to be more effective. But the single most important technique is that simple but essential mindset, finding the courage to be your own real self on stage only bigger. I can tell you this with certainty, it is possible to make that change. And it's very satisfying when you do. It can make all the difference in enabling you to hear one of the sweetest sounds on earth, the applause that you have earned for who you actually are. So I want to let the listeners know Mike's website is Mike Greenly, and that's G-R-E-E-N-L-Y dot com. And Mike, I, I truly, I truly and authentically, that seems to be the word for our interview. I just think that you have mastered this craft, and I think because you've gone through it yourself, your authenticity as a speech coach and a lyricist and a writer, I think you just have so many gifts that you you bring to your craft and across different industries. Do you have different events, or are you speaking this year? Can you just share with us what's on your slate for 2016? Well, I'm a freelancer, and so uh, some clients plan ahead a year ahead to use me, but I don't always know what's coming up next week or next month. So I'm called on to write speeches for executives who are doing a product launch, for example, or sometimes for public officials, um, or sometimes really for people's personal lives if they can afford to be able to use me. Um, I, it's One of the things that's interesting about being an entrepreneur is that it's a lot less predictable than when I was going to the big building and doing the same kind of thing day after day. Uh, I have some wonderful new songs coming out that I'm thrilled about and excited by, but I don't I don't really have a specific event that I can tell you about except that I'm very happy doing what I'm doing and I'm so glad that I've discovered how to do that by just being me. Well, and that's a perfect ending. So I I'm grateful that you spent thirty minutes of your time with me today and I just want you to know that the change book uh has brought us together, which I'm very, very thankful for. And I just want to say that it's just it's it's just an honor to be your friend, and I wish you nothing but the best this year. And I am going to get to New York City, and I am taking you out for dinner. So now I've got I've got myself recorded on live radio. I've I've made that commitment, and I just wish you all the best. And I I just I I know greatness is still going to just keep coming with abundance and success for you, Mike. Well, it's been a pleasure. I thank you for this. You're doing amazing stuff with the Change Book series, which is quite a landmark. So uh, it's been a, it's just been a delight to be part of it. Thank you, Deb. Thanks, Mike. And you have a great day. And, and feel free to stay tuned in as I move into our next interview. So you have a, a wonderful day. Great. Thanks. So just a great interview with Mike Greenlee out of New York City. And I just feel that you know, we use that word so much authenticity in the last 30 minutes, but there's just no other way to describe Mike. 
to share with us, you know, the the woes that he had as a young man and how he had suicidal thoughts going into college. And to look at him today as a successful speech coach and writer and lyricist, it just goes to show you the the quality that we have in the change book series in the authors. And you know, I say it every week. We we're now in twenty four countries and we're on book eleven now. And what's exciting is my next guest is in book ten and we'll have to ask her if it's taught off the press or not. But let me introduce her. Her name is Mindy Anderson and she is a certified business and life coach. She has been recognized as a sales leader, speaker, trainer, co-author, and overall go-getter. She has built three successful sales and marketing organizations. She hosts and trains regular seminars, and she previously held the position of International Advisory Board Member of a Relationship Marketing Company. Mindy has worked in the capacity of stockbroker, priority shareholder, production specialist, sales assistant, office manager, international tour guide, bookkeeper. She has been a Jacqueline of all trades, but her favorite title is Mom and Mimi. So welcome, Mindy, to the Change Book Radio Show. Hi, Deb. Thank you so much. So you have to answer the burning question. Is Book 10, is it in your hands yet, or when's the date? No, it is not in my hot little hands yet. In fact, I think today was the deadline to have it all in, and it is in, but I don't think we're going to get it this quickly. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Well, you know what? I'm in, I'm in book five, so it came out. I got the call last January and, and had it in my hot little hands in June. And I have to tell you, I had written before, but – there's something about being a collaborative co-author in this series. When I got that book to see that I was sharing it with 19 other people, I can't wait to hear how you feel because I know how I felt. So when you get that book, we want to see a picture. We want to see a caption. So you have to promise the listeners that. <laughs> I will. I absolutely will. It was so, on a list of things for me to do. Um, just as goals that I wanted to cross off my list. And when I got the, you know, the contact, the information, the request, if I was interested, man, I got to tell you, Deb, I, I kicked it around, I kicked it around, and I thought, well, heck, it's on my list of things to do. Let's do it. <laughs> well, and, and those lists of to-dos don't get crossed off unless we execute some action, right? Right. So, my first question to you is, I would love for you to share with the listeners what your area of passion is and what your goals in your business are for 2016. So it's a two-part question. My goals for my business, I, I'm still working in um, a multi-level marketing company. I love it. I lead people. Um, I, I, I basically, that's why I transitioned over into a business and a life coach because I do it anyway, and I'm successful at it, and I've had other people ask me if I would coach them, and I thought, well, if I do, I think I better go get certified and go down that, that path, because if I do something anyway, I might as well step it up a little bit and, and become certified. So 
I will tell you this is a whole new area, but I'm continuing to build what I currently am involved in, and this I'm adding to my plate, and I'm very excited about it. It's a it's a new adventure. Well, that at, at the start of a new year, what what more could we ask for is to have exciting goals and to have uh, a sense of adventure for the new year. So that is wonderful. Now we're a growing, powerful community with Jim Britt and Jim Luke. Tell us what excites you about that. I'm just starting to get to know them a little bit better, and all of the opportunities that are in front of me for tapping into their services. Um, it's on Facebook, and I've been gently getting in there. I'm, I'm very busy. I do a lot of traveling, and um, I do go visit um, my team a lot and work with my team, and that's one of the fun things. Plus, I have to be a great Mimi, which, you know, that's Grandma, but Mimi sounds so much cooler. Uh, <laughs> so I've got to be um, – I've got to juggle all these different things and be the best that I can be in each and every one of them, but – what I'm seeing that this group is getting ready to offer me is collaboration, alliances, and a new community that I, I really haven't even scratched into yet. Um, I look forward to learning more about every individual and seeing how I can help others and how they can help me. I, I really like that alliance. Well, and you and you literally just catapulted yourself into the middle of 240 people, and that's exciting. And I can tell you, it's been a, a year for me now, and just the amount of collegial relationships and friendships that have come out of it is—it's um, just amazing. Yes, you've you've been in it for a year. I'm just starting. And I do feel like I have so much to learn so that I can truly tap into the power that's there. Well, the everyone in this group, uh, we're 24 countries now, and they're an email and a phone call away from you. So that mm -hmm. I, I can tell you for sure, you're going to meet the nicest people in this series. Now, you so talked about being a leader of people, and you've become a certified coach. What's one challenge you see in people that your talents address? Really believing in themselves and the negative self-talk, which, of course, I can identify it if I had it, right? I can identify it even more. But, you know, I'm in my mid-50s now, and the person I am today is far greater than, of course, the, just like Mike was saying, the person I was a long time ago was an insecure um, insignificant person that didn't believe in myself. And one of the things that I wrote in the chapter was the fact that my life did not begin to change for the better until I began to be grateful and thankful. And I did feel like there was uh, just a vision in my head of something that was very slow, like a giant water wheel that was beginning to turn just because I became I, I heard messages, and those messages were saying, and I mean through people, not, not in my head, <laughs> but, but the messages I was hearing, whether it was in church, whether it was in a book, whether it was on the radio station, because I always listen to personal development. I always listen to talk radio. That's, I'm always trying to grow as a person, 
And the messages were that I was hearing, be grateful, be thankful. And those are the beginnings of how I began to change my own mindset. And that is what I see in so many people. They don't believe in themselves, and they are they need to change that negative self-talk. And then you want to know one other thing that I see? They don't work long enough. I find people don't give it long enough to really follow after their dream. There's almost this impatience, this this microwave mentality that if it doesn't happen quickly enough, you transition to something else and you don't follow through. Um, I was really challenged by a story of uh, a gentleman who was 65 years old that began to run after his dream. He was living on Social Security, and he knocked. He had a, a chicken formula. I bet you know who I'm going to talk about now. And um, he had this fabulous recipe, and he literally pitched it to 1,000, and I believe the number is nine, 1,009, before someone took his recipe for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Isn't that – I mean, I love that story. It's so inspiring. But I do find many people try things for a short period of time, and they label themselves failures because they quit too soon. Oh, I fully agree with you. And I, one of the co-authors uh, in the book from England, Amanda Watts, she often posts, graphics to what you were just saying and it's like you see two gentlemen in a mine and one is almost ready to discover the diamond and turns around to back away and and the one beside him is just chipping away and he's not even close just to give that that visual of of what you just said in in context there so so being a coach is a great question why do you think people give up where is it, is it generational? Is it self-belief? Is it experience? What, what coaching strategies or what methodology or thoughts would you give to someone if they presented to you like that? You know, I think that it uh, getting a coach can really help you. I did not, I did not get a personal coach or a business coach when I first started. Um, you know, pursuing a dream, which is being self-employed, being entrepreneurial, and and living in freedom. I did not get a a business or a life coach, and I wish I would have. I I did I didn't. That just actually wasn't popular 15 years ago. I think it's become more popular now. But that's one thing. I'd get a coach, and um, have help that coach because so many people are negative in our life. They don't want you to succeed if they haven't succeeded. So then it's an aligning of new friends, trying to find the people that will root you on, cheer you on. And and so many times if you don't pick something that other people believe that they rubber stamp approve of, then you're going to lose those friends because they're not going to approve of what you're doing. And truly, that comes in the realm of network marketing all the time. Because so many people, um, you know, you do it wrong many times at the very beginning. You you bug people and you you just do a lot of things wrong when you're trying something new. It just is the way it is. But so many times people will write you off or people will say it's never going to work. And that's where you have to leave them if you really want to make it. 
or just not associate with that negative talk that they're going to give to you that's in their mind, not in your mind. So I do believe getting a good coach that will be your cheerleader, and not just cheerleader, but it's not even all about cheerleading. I think it's about alignment and being able to have someone that keeps you with your goals on the path, challenging you, um, because sometimes it's lonely no matter what, well, when you're an entrepreneur, basically, no matter which path you go down, it's, it's, can be lonely, just finding that alignment with other like-minded people. I fully agree with you, and and that's how I feel generally with the Change Book series and all of the co-authors. We are an alignment, which is a beautiful word, of like-minded, progressive entrepreneurs. So I, I really like how you phrase that. Now, you know we're this amazing, growing, powerful community, and you're in our latest book, which is exciting, and you've spoken with Jim Britt and Jim Luke. Tell us what excites you about that. Who they are, what they've accomplished, the fact that I can call upon them, which I haven't even done. I I need to do it now, right? (laughs) I need to really... um, uh, go forward with that, um, but the fact that we get to be on calls with them, the the one call that I was able to make it on, I think I've made it on two now, um, but one in particular was just such a gift. I felt like it was a gift to be on that call, to listen to their wisdom and their wit, and uh, the background and the things that they've accomplished are, again, part of that alignment of who I get to align myself with, and since you like that word and I do too, but that's really what I want to, what I want to accomplish is getting to know these guys better and being able to truly tap into again, everything that they have made available to us and for us with this book and with this uh, co-author um, um, alignment, I guess alignment is the word of the day. <laughs> Well, you know what? I wanted to joke at the beginning of the show because today it's all about Mike and Mindy. Uh, that's who I've had on the show. And I just think that rolls off the tongue so nicely, the Mike and Mindy show. And Mike's <laughs> word was authenticity or authentic and yours is alignment. So it's just it's just neat where this show takes me every week, Mindy. It's very rewarding. Now, I'd really love to chat to you for a minute about your business. And my first question is, you've named your business for wit and you're a consulting and business service entrepreneur. Where does that name come from and what does it represent for you? Well, you know, one of my businesses that I have, um, an LLC, is called Sojourn International. And I tell you, Sojourn just represents it so so well for me, but... I had to choose something else, and I just thought, well, the four the four winds of the earth, you know, four corners of the earth, north, south, east, west, and for some reason that just spoke to me, and I I picked it. <laughs> so I um I picked four winds because of the very fact that I just thought north, south, east, west, and we got to pick a direction, and I want to help people pick the help them go in the direction that they're choosing. Well, that's that's, uh, symbolistic. I like that. Now, the other thing that I found intriguing about your Facebook page for wins, and it's the number four, 
is you chose a Facebook cover um, epitomizing a very strong 1960s housewife. So talk to me about the imagery because it speaks to me about feminism and being that universal housewife. So how do you tie that into your brand and why did you choose that? We as individuals have so much power within us. And it's something that I think I I never, well, first of all, lately, you know, when I first started growing up, I never knew there was power. And then when I realized there was some, I felt like it was almost too late. And then when I realized, my gosh, we we can do so much just with, here's that word, aligning ourselves with the right people and, and bringing forth things that can empower not only ourselves but others. But I want other people to realize just how powerful we really are. So that picture of that woman, of course, when it was wartime, yes, we can. (laughs) Um, We can do anything when we are together and, and even on our own, but it's, we really do need to make those alliances with each other so that we can become more powerful together. And, you know, the, there was a pivotal point in my life where a woman, I sought out some counseling, and that woman, and I can't even talk about it because every time I do, my voice cracks. <laughs> um, but she just helped me realize the power that I did have. And that I fought for quite some time because I didn't have anyone that really believed in me. So when I found her and she believed in me, and it was just a teeny tiny little bit, what happened was my my growth just took off. And I know what that woman meant to me. Like I said, I can barely talk about her without crying. So having that person that believes in you and coming into agreement and moving forward and challenging you, because, you know, nobody, nobody just needs to be a yes person. The true growth comes when someone challenges you in the way you think. Because if your thinking is right, you'll own it. And if it's not, it'll challenge you to change it. Um, and without someone telling you what you should think. Because I think the most important thing I've learned is we come into this life with thoughts that are given to us. And as we get older and our mind begins to develop better and our emotions, then we have to choose if that's going to be our truth or not. But yes, and you know what's interesting on my other Facebook page, um, because Four Winds is brand new, it, it's just supposed to be there. And I didn't do a web page; I just started a Facebook page just for now. Um, but my other one has Believe on it, and that is so representative to me of what it's been so far. Is I've needed to believe, um, believe that I can, believe that there's more. Believe, just believe. 
So now the other one is, yes, yes, we can. (laughs) And, and, you know, my love and passion is around work-life balance. So I love everything and how you just framed what you said. And I I do want to let you know, we do allow tears on the show. It usually happens every week. And that's why I love not having planned questions, because we're truly being authentic. I'll give that O to Mike since we're on that word today. We're being authentic in the moment to ourselves as we enjoy this interview. And it's giving you time to just really think about the moment and not so that's one of the things that was that I wanted creatively to bring to the show so that people could enjoy and embrace the moment and really talk about themselves. So I want to thank you for that. Now, I got your book late, but I, I did a quick read. I did take a speed reading course in college, so I'm very thankful for that. And there is a section of your chapter that I, I really feel I need to read. So uh, let me read that for the listeners. So Mindy Anderson is a co-author in Book 10, which isn't even in her hot little hands yet. So this is, this is going to be hot off the press. And the name of your chapter is Lead Yourself First Before You Lead Others. And before I read a little bit of your chapter, I just want to preface it by saying, I think one of the hardest things that I see as a work-life balance expert is you can't be a good leader unless you implement self-care and self-love. So your title for me really resonates. You can't be who you need to be or be the best version of yourself if your cup is half empty. And that that is how I interpreted your title. So I want to read a couple of paragraphs that I think the listeners will really resonate with. So here we go. It is most important to know who you are and what you believe. To be firm in belief and action until convinced otherwise. As I became firm in my belief, my decisions and actions became stronger and more cohesive. Using my belief system was helping me to make better decisions, and I was choosing a plan for my future. I was leading myself, not being led. Here are some excellent statements that cause thought and action. Be clear about what you are doing. Have a definite purpose. Be definite. Discouragement comes from not being clear. Take courageous, confident action. Who I am, where am I going? Ask, does this move me to what I want? Thoughts are things and have energy. People are attracted to courage. Now, that just gives an overview to me interviewing you and being your fellow co-author of the mindset. So my question to you, Mindy, is this must have been an emotional relief and difficult for you to write, but did you find once you started writing it just poured out of you and then when you were done the chapter did you have some form of completion or release just let us know the mindset and your emotions of going through this process because it's a very personally written chapter oh thank you and it was because I truly was in the I wrote that because I was struggling with that and I didn't know I was struggling with it until I wrestled with it. <laughs> and the wrestle was I was being offered numerous opportunities and I was being 
um, spread too thin. And I was having a difficult time having any happiness, any joy, because everything was irritating me because I didn't know what I should do. I was functioning in one thing, but I was being pulled, if you will, in several different areas. And I had to make some tough decisions. And when I made those tough decisions, they were actually quite easy. You know, you think they're tough, and then it's like, oh, I, but I don't want to let go of this, and I don't want to let go of that, but I had to. If I was going to truly grab a hold, and then I had to lead myself back to, well, what is it that I want? And I had to regain the objective of what I was after and then let go of some things that were causing me great distraction and I'm going to tell you one of the things that I wrote, um, and and I, listen, it's it's really fresh, because this whole thing happened just at the end of last year, and so when and I didn't know what I was going to write about, um, and all of a sudden it became very clear. I took about two weeks, um, went off on a little trip, and it became very clear what I was struggling with, and I thought I need to lead myself <laughs> for Pete's sake. What is it that I want? I'm a woman in my mid-50s. What do I want, and how am I going to lead myself in that direction? One of the uh, critical things that I uh, read was from John Maxwell, and I wrote it in the quote in this, uh, his quote in the book, uh, well, in my chapter. <laughs> and um, what he said was the hardest thing that he's ever uh, tried to do. Oh, here it is. And I'll just read it. It's from the chapter, and it says, I read a statement from Dr. John Maxwell. He stated that during a question-and-answer session at a conference, someone asked, what has been your greatest challenge as a leader? Leading me, he answered. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? And that gave me such a sense of relief that a great man like John Maxwell struggled with the exact same thing that I was going through. And I felt phenomenal. I felt like I have struggled with something new that I'm growing. I'm growing again. And I listen, it's great to grow, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I don't know an entrepreneur or a successful business person. I I don't know anyone who hasn't struggled with failure who's successful today. Could you could you agree with me on that? Completely. Completely. I think failure, I love the acronym. Uh, I've seen it as first attempt in learning. And if you look at all of the greats, and, and you used a great example, Colonel Sanders, um, Walt Disney. Like, there's many of them that have gone before us. And you made a good point earlier in the interview. People are impatient. And you have to keep plugging away. But entrepreneurship can be lonely, so that's why it's important to have that balance and and get out to networking events. But I I just want to reiterate to you, you have 240 people that you can pick up the phone at any time who want to be a colleague to you, want to be of service. And that's what I absolutely love and resonate with the most the change book series is Jim and Jim had this vision and have brought this 
global pool of just exemplary talent, in my opinion, and I get the privilege of interviewing two of you every week. I always have a takeaway from each interview. I have a lot of fun doing this, and I just think that it's interesting to me that they have reached out to people from all walks of life, from all different vocations and industry, and there's no geographical boundaries. And like you said, Jim and Jim are a phone call away. And I just, to me, that is an honor and a privilege. So I, I'm feeling that you're you're happy that you jumped on this wonderful bandwagon with us as well. I'm thrilled, and I'm looking forward to what great things are going to continue to happen. I truly believe in it. Well, I want to thank you for spending the last 30 minutes, and I want to welcome you because you're one of our new co-authors. So so reach out. You're going to meet the nicest people in the Change Book series, and I wish you nothing but success and abundance for 2016, and let's talk again soon, Mindy. Thank you so very much. You have a great day. All right, you too. Bye-bye. So just another exciting hour on the Changebook Radio Show. Just truly master communicator and, and Mr. Authentic himself, Mike Greenlee. I just think the, the craft and vision that he's bringing to the world is just second to none. And and then the last 30 minutes with Mindy, just a, a real half an hour with her and just what she's bringing to her craft as a coach and the experience that she's had. So I've decided this week that I wanted to leave you with five ways to maybe reach that new goal or have that intuition of bringing favor and abundance into your life. So I'm going to give you five strategies that have worked for me, and I I just know that they'll work if you give them a try. So the number one tip is let go of the hurt and let go of the past. It's something that Jim Brown has instilled in us. When we're driving the car, we never look in the rearview mirror when we're driving. We're looking out the windshield because that's where we're headed forward. Number two, and Mindy and Mike talked about this beautifully today, just embrace who you are. You've got this amazing DNA that you were born with. And I know Sandy Mitchell, one of the co-authors out of Texas, talks about your inner genius. Just embrace that. And when you have the time and you don't make yourself busy, but you allow yourself to be productive, that's when you're going to embrace who you are. Number three, have an attitude of praise. And Mindy has said that. Once she changed her attitude to have gratitude and be thankful for what she had, she saw that her life was going to change. Gratitude can be that you got out of bed. If that if that's what it needs to be, that's okay. But every day, that's how you need to start your day. Number four is increase your expectation and build up your own self-belief. I truly believe that if your why is so powerful and you keep increasing your expectation and seeing that dream and making that vision clear, that's only going to help you build up your belief to get to where you want to be. And the last one, number five, just take the steps and the leap of faith in yourself. You ask most entrepreneurs how they left the corporate world and followed their dreams. They just took the leap of faith and believed in themselves. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I thoroughly enjoy spending every Wednesday afternoon with you. This is Deb Crow, and this is the Change Book 
series radio show, and we'll be back next week at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for listening, and have a great week, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.